Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. In this episode, we're doing a lot of previewing for Big Things Thursday. We're going to hear from Jared Latterbrook, Executive Director of Golf Manitoba, as the Masters get underway and also the Frozen Four in Pittsburgh. Four teams vying for the NCAA Men's Ice Hockey Championship. You'll hear all of it on the podcast. The Masters gets underway tomorrow morning in Augusta, Georgia, a tradition unlike any other. And here to preview the action is the Executive Director of Golf Manitoba, Jared Latterbrook. Jared, happy Masters week. This is one of the best weeks for golf fans all year, is it not? Oh, this is. This is the uh, kind of the unofficial start. Well, I mean, the PGA Tour has been, you know, with the wraparound season going on for since, uh, you know, last fall. But, yeah, this is this is the really the, the, the start for golf um, in our province. So it's uh, it's nice to to have it connected to the to the Masters. And, and I mean, it's uh, it's one of my favorite events. And I'm sure with many other golfers to watch. Um, it's Augusta National. It's uh, it's uh, it's uh, one of the, the nicest golf courses uh, on the tour and, and always fun to watch the play. So a very exciting week. Spring has sprung and the Masters are here. And here in Manitoba, the weather's been pretty good for getting out and golfing. This is one of the, I guess, earlier times probably you could get out and golf. Like golf courses were starting to open at the end of March. Yeah, this is really early. Um, it's not uncommon for us to, to have snow on the ground still this time of year. But um, the golf courses, uh, many are open. Some are in the process of opening up for this weekend. Um, and yeah, golfers have been playing for a couple of weeks already. Those that have, uh, that have found some spots to do so. And it's, it's a nice start, early start to the year and a welcome start. We've, you know, we've, uh, we had a fairly good, you know, winter weather wise, but you know, it's, it's, you know, golf is one of those activities that, that, um, you know, prevailed last year as, as one of the safe activities for, for people to get together and play and recreate and, and spend some time with friends and family. So it's nice to get an early jump to this year. Any ideas yet on what the summer championship season will look like for golf Manitoba or too early to say based on COVID? So, yeah, I mean, as of right now, we do have uh, a full season booked, uh, uh, you know, starting at the end of May. Uh, we've planned as such, um, you know, it, obviously the, uh, we, we are still, uh, a, you know, a, a month and a half away from that start. And, and uh, you know, the health and safety of everyone involved uh, takes precedent. You know, and, uh, you know, obviously what we can do is, is going to be uh, governed by, you know, what the, you know, the, the, the restrictions that the provincial government has at that time. But uh, we are planning to operate. We, you know, we were fortunate last year in that we, we were able to complete our season and without, uh, you know, without incident. And uh, so we'll, we'll take the same precautions and, and safety measures that we did last year. And, and we'll roll those over into this year. And, and um, you know, hopefully if... Uh, you know, things would, would allow us to do so, we'll be able to to run our championship season and uh, and to play some, some golf this summer. All right, so let's talk Masters now. It starts yeah. tomorrow morning in Augusta. We, uh, remember, had the Fall Masters last year with Dustin Johnson taking it home. Two, he could win, technically, two green jackets in five months. That's never happened before. Is he the favorite in your eyes? I mean, he's looking, he's looking like he's up up at the top. Uh, I mean, if, if I had, uh, if I had a few dollars to put down, I, I, I would, uh, I would have a tough time not, not, you know, thinking of Dustin, you know, the golf course is, is, is different this spring than it was last November. It's, it's firm and fast. Um, you know, 20 under, I believe was a winning score last year on a soft golf course. So really, you know, what, what gives the golf course its teeth, its defense are the greens, the speed of the greens, 
and just from what I'm reading and seeing in, in, in early uh, early previews here, that the golf course is 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 fast and and really a challenge right now, even in the practice rounds. So um, you know, a player with some length, uh, J- Johnson hits uh, you know a cut, so that's going to allow him to to access maybe some of those those tighter pins, and uh, and he's, he's a great putter as well. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd certainly put them in, in the top five for sure as, as those to consider uh, winning this week. Jordan Spieth is on a lot of people's minds as well. He won his first tournament last weekend since the 2017 Open Championship. We all remember his blow-up at the Masters a number of years ago when he totally <laughs> yeah. should have won and then put it in the drink a couple times on 12. And it seems like it took a long time for him to recover from that. He's been on the leaderboard near the top a bunch this year though he wasn't able to close until this past Sunday. Are we perhaps seeing a resurgence from Jordan Spieth, and should he be taken seriously heading into this weekend? Yeah, I mean, he's he's won there before. He certainly has the game. He's done it once before. He's, you know, he's gone through a, you know, a bit of a slump, but I mean, that's golf. That's, you know, that, that uh, even the best in the world go through periods of, you know, up and down. And I mean, he's got to be coming in with the most confidence. He, he won last week. Uh, he's playing well. He's, you know, we've seen him uh, in, you know, at the top of the leaderboard, like you said, the last couple of weeks. And, and so, I mean, he's tough not to, to include him in, in, uh, in, a, in a pick to, to, to at least finish well this week. Uh, I don't know if he closes it out. Um, you know, he's still, even though a win, but he's, he's still, there's probably some, a little bit of uncertainty in his game. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe that confidence that he, that he takes with him from last week rolls right over into this and, and he's comfortable there. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's a past champion and, and that's got to feel good. So that certainly puts, uh, you know, uh, the ball in his court, um, for this week. So Bryson DeChambeau talked a big game heading into the masters in the fall. Yeah. He's, he did not perform up to his words. He drove the ball as he does, but his wedge game and short game was just not good at all. He's still a, a definite force to be reckoned with. I don't know if you saw the video of him just pummeling balls on mm. the practice screen and, and or pra- yeah. driving range, and VJ Singh was just like laughing, <laughs> watching him yeah. just contort his body in crazy ways. What are you expecting from Bryson this weekend? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that was a speed training session that yeah. we were yeah. watching. Uh, quite, quite remarkable. Just My back hurt just club. watching it. Yeah. I mean, as to what, I mean, I watched that. I mean, I think to myself, what, you know, how long can you maintain this? Right. So is he, is he really putting a focus on, on these next few years? But I mean, he's, 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 he's got an athletic body. He hits it a a ton. And, you know, if you can, I mean, it's the golf course, I believe is just shy of 7,500 yards. It's, it's about positioning. And if he can put himself in the right spot, um, you know, the golf course doesn't have a lot of rough. It, you know, it has some trees to contend with. It's just a matter of where he puts it off the tee and, and whether or not he can, you know, can can access those those tight pins. I mean, the golf course being firm and fast, if he does hit it a little off off the path, it's he is going to find himself in some trouble. Not, not so much last year. Uh, it didn't work out for him last year. But, yeah, I mean, look at the advantage that he gains off the tee. I mean, it's it's incredible. So uh, he'll certainly he'll, he'll be fun to watch this weekend. Um, and, uh, I, 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 I don't, I don't see him winning. Um, but, uh, certainly he's, he's going to be right up there, um, uh, come Saturday, Sunday. As far as Canadians are concerned, I suppose Corey Connors would probably be the best bet. He's been steadily playing some pretty good golf so far in 2021, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, he's had some great finishes this year. If you look at, um, his, his last couple of results, he's, he's been playing really solid, uh, a third at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, um, 
the uh, seventh at the Players Championship. Uh, you know, a T14 last week at uh, as a defending champ at the Texas Open. So I mean, he's he's got a he's got a great uh, a great uh, record coming into this event. Uh, last year, I believe he was he was um, t- tied tied for tenth in November at the Masters. So he seems to be comfortable here. Uh, you know, and he's he's playing well. His strokes gained to the field overall. He's he's 14th. So uh, obviously he's doing a lot of good things uh, coming into this event, um, and uh, it's going to be fun. Good fun to watch. I, you know, I, I, there are a lot of Canadians will be pulling for him as as he goes into the week, and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing well. And and uh, who knows? It would, wouldn't it be nice to see him playing in the last couple of groups on Sunday? Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I think two players that a lot of people care about: uh, Rory McIlroy and Brooks Kepka. McElroy hasn't won this event. It's the one missing link on his resume. And then he, there's the admission from him a couple of weeks ago that his game's all out of whack because he's trying to hit it as hard as Bryson. And then you've got Brooks Kepka, who is just always a threat in majors, but he just had knee surgery a few weeks ago. Uh, fair to say that we shouldn't expect wins from those two this week? Tough to say. Uh, watching a preview the other night, uh, 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 Brooks Kepka, his swing coach, said he's, 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 he's hitting it really nice. Um, and uh, he does move it out there far away. It depends how his body holds up. Um, I mean, he's always he's been a threat in majors, uh, you know, for the last number of years. Certainly can't count him out. I mean, who knows when someone's gonna gonna you know uh, put a, put a few rounds together and, and find themselves in in a good spot. I mean, we did watch Tiger. Uh, was it uh, twenty oh eight when he won on a broken leg? Um, uh, no, so it, it can be done. Um, uh, and then Rory. I mean. Geez, where where's his game gone? It's uh, it's it's surprising. He 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 leaves a lot of uh, people just scratching their head. He he should be winning more than he than he has been. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe he puts something together and and finds uh, finds a groove that he gets into and and puts a run in it. But I mean, he 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 really obviously he wants this one to to round out the Grand Slam. That might put a, even a little more pressure on him. I don't know how he processes that, but um, I mean, it's uh, it, there's such a deep field at this event. It's it's one of the best fields in golf, and uh, you know, really, there's there's anyone anyone can win. What difference, if any, does having more patrons at the event do to the players? Yeah, I mean, certainly they add they add to the atmosphere. It's um, uh, you know, some players will feed off of it and some, you know, I, I would say those that have been around long enough, they, they probably feed off of that atmosphere, that, uh, that energy. And for those that are newer to the event, maybe it, uh, maybe not so much, but I mean, look, to get to this stage where, I mean, you don't play in the masters by fluke. You've obviously, you've, you've, you've earned your right there by, by the kind of player that you are. I think it just, it just adds, it just, it, it gives that, that additional feel that we, that was absent last, absent last November. And it just provides for a better experience, not only for, obviously for the fans that are in attendance, but for the players. I think, I think it's a good thing. I think it's going to be welcome. And I think they're going to enjoy them having them back at, uh, at the masters. So before I let you go, I guess I have to ask you, if you have to pick one player to win, who is it? Uh, I'm going to fly the flag here. I'm going to pick Corey Connors. Uh, I'd, lo- I'd love to see him win. Uh, would be exciting. Um, that that's going to be my pick for this week. And what do you th- so? And just scoring wise, you mentioned twenty under from November. You're thinking something a little higher than that. Yeah, I think just you know from what I'm seeing and reading about the golf course, I I, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, to if if it uh, they are predicting some rain though in the next couple of days, so that could soften things up. 
And if that rain comes, then I think you'll see the scores go a little bit deeper. But I, you know, if, if it if it holds as it is right now, you know, maybe minus minus ten, minus eleven, you know, might be our winning score. Well, Jared, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the golf this weekend and uh, enjoy the golf here in Manitoba as well. Thanks so much, Christian. All the best. All right, the Frozen Four begins tomorrow in Pittsburgh. Four teams vying for the NCAA Men's Hockey Championship. 4 p.m., the first semifinal features St. Cloud State taking on Minnesota State University Mankato. Then at 8 o'clock, Minnesota Duluth looking to win a third straight championship. They're taking on Massachusetts. We'll be without some key players because of COVID protocol. Here to preview the action is Mike Snee, the Executive Director of College Hockey, Inc., an organization that helps players and families navigate the recruiting process, and they learn more about hockey teams in the NCAA and recognize the benefits of playing college hockey. Uh, Mike, thanks for popping on with us. How exciting a time of year is this for you? It's the most exciting week, I think, to be a college hockey fan. Uh, four teams are left, and we've made it. You know, this is a year where I think making it is something uh, simply to be excited about. Um, so we've got two games on Thursday, the semifinals, and then the championship game will be played on Saturday, and it'll be available for viewing in Canada. And so if you're an NCAA hockey fan living in Manitoba or anywhere in Canada, it's, uh, it's available uh, for that. So just exciting time of year to be a hockey fan in general, and especially a college hockey fan. Well, you mentioned making it, right? There were a couple uh, situations in the lead-up to this where teams had to bow out because of, of COVID. Michigan did. Uh, didn't get to play against Minnesota Duluth in their regional semifinal. Notre Dame also, I believe, didn't get to play. And so I guess there is a certain degree of good fortune that the teams ended up getting to where they got. Uh, there is, and we did actually, uh, unfortunately, have a, have an occurrence with the University of Massachusetts, UMass. Um, they have four players that, per COVID protocols, are not able to play in the Frozen Four. It includes their leading goal scorer and their starting goalie. So it's quite impactful. Um, they're a deep team, and, and I'm, I'm sure uh, they're going to you know, do what they have to do. And that at least they do get to play. As you mentioned, Michigan and Notre Dame, um, the protocols that they, they were impacted by, unfortunately, did not allow them to play in the regional tournament. So certainly have been impacted, but um, the season has happened uh, for the most part. It happened, I think, um, as good as anybody could have hoped for under the circumstances that we're all living in. And then now we're down to our, our final four teams and, and things at this point are looking pretty good based on the testing that's occurred up to this point. So uh, there certainly has been impact, but I think we're going to have a pretty exciting frozen four. I think one of the cool things for casual, you know, NCAA consumers is that you see, you know, the big schools when it comes to basketball and football, it's usually the, you know, these monster schools and they're good at all the sports, baseball too. And then you've got hockey and you've got St. Cloud State against Minnesota State University Mankato. And then you've got Minnesota Duluth and University of Massachusetts. It's it's obviously a very northern-dominated sport, but it's cool to see these different schools uh, dominate the hockey scene in ways that we don't get to see in other sports. Yeah, you're right. I, th I think people think like Gonzaga doing well in basketball. is there, There's a charm to that, but Gonzaga is a, 
uh, you know, they're a powerful basketball school. They're a large division or a, they're a division one across the board school. Three of these four schools in this year's Frozen Four actually are division two in all of their other athletics. Hockey is the only sport that they compete at in division one. And it's not that a number of those, you know, higher profile, we call them five type schools. It's not that they're not competing in hockey, everything from Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Boston College. Um, so it does. It, it is pretty interesting to see that these schools, uh, the, the four and the Frozen Four, not only compete with but win, and it's not an upset by any stretch. I mean, Minnesota Duluth is going for their third straight championship. This is their fourth straight Frozen Four, so it's not an oddity at all um, to see uh, to see that schools of this profile compete and compete well with the schools of the big, well, the higher profile. So you spent a lot of time involved with hockey in Minnesota. Do you have a specific rooting interest here in the Frozen Four? In my role, I represent all 61 schools that have Division One men's hockey. So the way I look at it is I can't lose. <laughs> um, I guess you could say I can't win, but I look at it and I can't lose. So I don't have a rooting interest. Um, I think every every story that we have in this, in this uh, Frozen Four is pretty pretty compelling you're either going to have the um, the first only the second ever and the first since the mid-1950s back to back to back so three straight national championships if minnesota duluth wins it michigan was the only other school to do that and then the other three schools have not won a national championship so it'll either be uh, it'll be a rarity either way it'll be a first for one of the three schools or it'll be a, a, a three straight for minnesota duluth so rooting interests um you know, as I just root for good games. And speaking of good games, the five overtime marathon between North Dakota and Minnesota Duluth is by probably the highlight so far of the college hockey season. And that's a you know that's a kind of game that could be a national championship game. You got the two-time defending champ against the number one team in North Dakota. What kind of national attention in the states did that game get? Well, if you were following along that night, you can really see the power of social media. Um, People who might pay, you know, attention to hockey or maybe even no attention to hockey. You were seeing people referencing that game and and it was getting others to tune in. And and, uh, because it went five overtimes, people were tuning in at the second overtime, third overtime, and they ended up getting uh, almost an entire hockey game to watch. I think that's what, you know, that is the sport of hockey, especially in the U.S. and certain parts of the U.S. where it's just not as well known as it might be in Manitoba. Um, people have to sample it. And if you sampled that game, it was pretty special. It was, it had, it just had different lines, as you can imagine, a game that goes that long. Um, uh, Duluth was, was up by two. They scored two early goals in the third period. It looked like they were going to win a pretty, uh, you know, uneventfully. And then North Dakota pulled their goalie and scored not once, but twice. Um, with less than a minute and a half to go, and then Duluth scores in the first overtime, but it's disallowed by a literally by a a milli, millimeter of uh, offsides call. It was the right call, but it was pretty darn close. And uh, so for Duluth to recover from from giving up two goals with the goalie pulled, and then to have a goal taken back like that, um, it just it had so many storylines. And as you mentioned, North Dakota being the number one seed, they're a stacked team. They're a very interesting team to follow. And it was played right down the road from their campus in Fargo. There was so much compelling about that, about that game. And it not only lived up to expectations, it was well beyond anyone's expectations. 
What kind of fan presence will there be in Pittsburgh for this? Because a college sporting atmosphere is obviously one of the best atmospheres you can get. And we've seen limited atmospheres over the course of the last year because of the pandemic. So how many people are actually going to be allowed to go to these games? Well, it's not going to be a Texas Rangers baseball game. I guess we'll, we'll <laughs> say that. Uh, um, there will be some fans there. The good thing is families will be there. Um, and there will be some limited fans that are there, but it won't be a full building. Um, I, I, I don't know what the total number when you add up the fans are letting in plus the, um, plus the families. It'll be a little bit. You're right, though. It's, there, there's, there's nothing that can duplicate, I think, the, the NCAA environment at a hockey game or even a basketball game or a football game. And you saw that missing from the, the men's and women's basketball Final Fours this past weekend. When you take out the student section, the bands, when you take out the, you know, the people wearing the colors of that school, it's just such a different experience than you might get at either a professional sporting event or a minor league game or a junior hockey game or something. I mean, all of them are good in their own way, but college athletics is so special. So it's great that it's happening. I give full credit to the student athletes for, for playing with so much energy and enthusiasm in spite of the buildings being close to empty. Um, but at the same time, games at the start of the year were being played with nobody in the building. So having some people there does make a noticeable impact. And back to the Minnesota part of this, because three-quarters of the teams in this are from Minnesota. You've how I mean, they're, they're called the state of hockey, but just how huge are these teams in their communities? Because St. Cloud, Mankato, these are not big communities they're like you know Mankato's 42,000 and St. Cloud's just over 60,000 people how huge are these hockey teams in these communities it's uh that is what college hockey is it's for the school but it's also for the communities and especially in communities like that those mid-sized communities that don't have professional sports as I mentioned with those three in particular they're all division two schools so hockey is their only division one sport I actually grew up in Duluth and the team means as much to the community as it does to the school. So everybody gets behind it. And the same can be said in St. Cloud and the same can be said in Mankato. And quite frankly, it can be said in Amherst, Massachusetts as well. It is a pretty special aspect of college hockey that it is, it is the campus. It is the students, it is the alumni, but it's also, it also means so much just the people that live in the community. So, um, I, I, I really wish people that see it this weekend could see that and that kind of that uh, experience, what it looks like when you've got the community and the campus combined uh, at the games. And that's what you would have at this one, especially with three schools that haven't won it yet and one that's trying to do something pretty historic. It would be a rocking building in Pittsburgh. Um, and it is, you know, a pretty cool storyline to have three of the three of the schools come from one state. And, and uh, if you look at those rosters, most of their players come from Minnesota as well. So it's, it's um, for those of us, I coach hockey in, in Minnesota pretty pretty um, proud moment to see so many young players coming from all corners of the state growing up in their in their in their high school model of hockey that they have in Minnesota and having success at the highest levels it's pretty cool but I would not be surprised at all even in spite of losing a couple of the key players I would not be surprised if Massachusetts comes out of this um, winning it all humanist they're well coached they're deep uh, they're a really talented team so so it's, it's not just all about Minnesota no, it's not. And looking at the the games themselves, for those that maybe haven't checked out NCAA hockey and just know or they've been seeing the signings of uh, players that their teams are done for the season with NHL clubs, uh, describe what 
people can expect to see if they tune in to see the Frozen Four in the championship game? Well, all four teams are pretty similar. They have a, a bit older rosters, meaning a, a lot of juniors and seniors. A lot of NHL draft picks, uh, I believe amongst the four, there's uh, 15 total. Um, and the teams are pretty deep, so they have, they, you know, they certainly can go three lines, four lines. Heck, Duluth, had, Duluth was looking for a fifth line at that game versus North Dakota. Um, and so, so you'll see, you'll see offense from, uh, nine forwards deep. Um, it's pretty exciting. One player I want to point out for people that are Jets fans is Nathan Smith. He's the third leading scorer, top line center, uh, for uh, Minnesota State. He'll play the four at a five o'clock game, uh, five o'clock Eastern, four o'clock in Manitoba on Thursday. Um, so he's a pretty special player. He's actually from the state of Florida, was drafted by the Jets two years ago and has a very prominent role for Minnesota State. So I think that the teams really do look similar um, in their their depth. Um, the number of NHL draft picks, although I don't believe there's a, a first-round pick on any of the teams, but there's a lot of uh, mid-round uh, picks on each team, and then they're older. So they're, uh, they've been around, many of them have played 75-plus college hockey games already. So they, they know what they're doing. And obviously with Duluth, this is their fourth straight frozen four. So some of the players at Duluth, have, they're finishing up their career here and all they know is going to the frozen four. So um, that's I, this is a pretty compelling uh, tournament because right now I think that um, you give each team a 25% chance of winning it, and that's pretty compelling. Absolutely. I look forward to it, Mike. Appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this, and uh, enjoy the hockey. Thanks, Christian. Appreciate the opportunity. Have a good night. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you liked what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. Try to warn you all about